So, Dave, by the time this episode airs, mm-hmm. the U.S. election will have happened. Mm. So, what? What if you were to write a letter to your future self? What? What would you? What would you tell yourself? Post-election self. Post my post-election self. Um, mm-hmm. No amount of reading Twitter would have improved how you feel right now. Yes. Very good. I guess it's well, I guess that's a message for my future self to my current self. Is actually I got that backwards. Now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, true. What about you? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's just like I don't know. It feels like 2021's just like a couple years away. <laughs> I was. I was briefing uh, some uh, analysts uh, in anticipation of the RHEL 8.3 release uh, this week. And uh, and I was explaining one of the features of the RHEL 8.3 release. And, uh, and I said, well, you know, the system rules are great. I remember when I was a sysadmin, you know, 10 years ago, then I had to pause and do the math. <laughs> I remember when I was a sysadmin 20 years ago. <laughs> and then I... <laughs> Um, and, uh, actually that has been, that, uh, that has been an eventful, uh, set of analyst briefings. Um, the, one of the highlights, uh, was, so, uh, the night before the briefing, uh, I, I became aware that Google home now has uh, presence. So it knows mm-hmm. when you're home and when you're not, and it gleans this from your uh, motion detectors, from your the presence of your phone, things like that. Right. And. Uh, and I said, oh, well, that sounds clever. Uh, that, that sounds much more useful than doing something like, uh, you know, to, to that point, I had been calling out to Google as I leave the house, you know, hey, uh, ahoy, computer, I'm leaving. And then she turns off all the lights and sets my thermostat and locks my door and all that other stuff. Okay. So I was like, well, great. If I, if I can not do that at all, and just like my presence is what does the home in a way stuff, that's great. Let's, let's, let's ask her to do that for me. Mm-hmm. So the next morning... My day started at like six, um, like it usually does, and I'm on my on my phones and I'm taking my calls. And this briefing rolls around about nine a.m., and uh, I get about uh, halfway through this briefing, and suddenly all the lights in, or and suddenly my vacuum cleaner springs to life, and starts wow. rolling around on the floor. Robot, robot vacuum, robot cleaner, vacuum, like cleaner. an upright. That's right, Hoover. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That would be a different problem. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah. This is this is yeah the my my robot vacuum uh, sprung to life in the middle of this briefing. And I could not, I was in the middle of talking about kind of the IOT and edge strategy. And so I was like, for example, <laughs> so that was a little bit embarrassing. Um, and it took me a long time to figure out what had happened, which is that um, I'm sitting at my computer. I'm not interacting with my telephone and, uh, and Google decided, well, I haven't seen him move and he's definitely hasn't picked up his phone. So he's obviously not home. So let's just, let's just shut this whole thing down. And so, uh, she started the vacuum, uh, and then it happened to me again. The next day I thought I'd recalibrated my instruments and the next day, same thing happened again. Just this time, all the lights shut out <laughs> as I'm, as I'm going through the roof. It was a treat. It's been a real treat. This home automation experience. Um, I'm not quite sure how to explain to Google that I'm, that I'm still home. I feel like she should know by now. She's, I mean, I've, I put enough sensors in this house. Uh, I feel yeah. like this would be pretty straightforward, but apparently not. Apparently not. Yeah, no. Th- this sounds like a, 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 a Black Mirror episode, or oh, it yeah. should be. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
yeah, thankfully, I've only connected it to the lights in the vacuum. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not connecting it to like an iron lung or anything <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, maybe if I figure out exactly how this presence thing works, I will. I will report back. But for right now, it seems pretty arbitrary as far as I'm concerned. Um, uh, and uh, I got another piece of news. You ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, I went ahead and got myself this uh, electric bike. Yeah, I am here to recommend it. Okay. Uh, and so it is. Maybe let's say it's overpriced. Let's just assume mm-hmm. it's overpriced. Uh, but it is a it's a folding electric bicycle. Uh, it's called the Vika, and mm. uh, it's got a big old battery on it. In fact, I charged it once, and I haven't charged it since I got it like several weeks mm. ago. Um, and especially I live in a very hilly neighborhood and mm-hmm. man, now that I got access to this, this, uh, this electron, this electric bike, uh, I can, uh, I'm not intimidated by the hills anymore. Um, mm. which makes it more likely that I'm going to go out there and, you know, do the work. Um, yeah. and, uh, there's, even if I'm super lazy, uh, there's a thumb, there's a throttle at the thumb. Uh, and okay. so I can just like stop pedaling and it, treat it like a moped. Um, yeah, yeah. and, uh, I, it has changed my bicycle game. It makes it way more likely that I'm actually going to use the bike in the first place. Um, even if I don't use the electric features most of the time. Uh, so yeah, it's been great. I can strongly recommend it. Hmm. And does it have your legs like atrophied? Uh, yeah, I am not great at pedaling, uh, as it turns out. And so I was glad to have this, uh, this electric bike, you know, I like I run and stuff, but that's a different set of muscles than the biking muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so it was nice to know that I could rely on, um, a little bit of help when I needed it. Um, I try not to use it, uh, very often. I really only need it when I'm going up a steep hill or something like that, but it's nice to, it's nice to know that it's there. Hmm. Okay. So when you pedal it, does it know when to kick in or is it at a certain threshold or is it automatic or it's or very, it? it's, it's much more clever than, uh, than I was, I, I was expecting it was like, um, I was expecting it to be kind of dumb, um, but uh, how do I describe it? It kicks in, so you can set it between five levels of assistance, okay. and the and the assistance kicks in when it feels a certain amount of resistance on the pedals. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so depending on which, because it depends on which gear you're in as to when it'll when it'll kick in, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which is kind of exactly what you want. I mean, they they, they were they were pretty thoughtful about it. Uh, so it's not like a strict on off thing it's a it kind of eases itself into your pedaling motion um right and so yeah it's kind of it's elegant i'm not sure exactly how they uh you know i I can't quite suss out how the algorithm works but it's it feels very natural when the assistance shows up it's not shocking Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. nice nice very smooth yes exactly so strongly recommend electric bikes cannot recommend google home uh presence uh awareness yet Yeah. yeah that's right how about you what's going on yeah, so for me, not a whole lot to report. It's just late fall turn into winter here. Motorcycles probably going to be going away soon. But um, have you watched the third day? Uh, it's a mini series on HBO. No, tell me about this. Uh, do you like Wicker Man kind of things? I can't say I do. No, you don't. No, 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 no. I don't. I don't like being uncomfortable in that way. Oh, okay. Well, no. This is like eight hours of being uncomfortable. So, um, <laughs> all right, never mind. Then. 
But as, but I'm sure we have yeah. listeners who who enjoy being uncomfortable for reasons that defy me. So, uh, pl- but please, that's maybe, why maybe. they're listening. <laughs> it's it's sort of like I don't know, it's like ASMR, but not really. <laughs> it's the opposite of ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. So no, it's basically. Um, it's you know just imagine this uh, island in the UK that um, it's uh, uh, you know like there's this bridge that you could drive across it's like a land bridge that you could drive across but then um, it will you know the tide comes in and it covers up the bridge and so it, you could only go off and on this island a couple times a day to drive on and um, and you know is it a religious cult maybe maybe not. Um, you know what, what stuff's going on there um it's it's just a lot of fun huh okay um but like uh but like menacing the whole time yeah right yes yeah it's like you get these like um sort of like rosemary's baby where it's like these really really nice people um that you want to like um but you know but then they like lie to your face and you know that they're lying to you but they're just mm-hmm. so nice and uh <laughs> And it's like, okay, no, it's I, maybe I'm just not understanding. And like, you really guess, get like gaslit. And uh, it just happens over and over and over again. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, that sounds, that sounds awful. But, uh, but yeah, I, but I, yeah. I know that that's a, I know, I understand that that's a genre that people would like. That, that, that's, that's good. I'm glad you're enjoying it. I'm glad you're enjoying mm-hmm. it. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, it sounds Dave, exhausting I, to you, though. It, it does sound exhausting, actually. And I, I speaking of exhausting, I uh, over the last several weeks, man, I have really struggled, um, and uh, just everything feels very difficult. Um, I think mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the election is not helping. Uh, the uh, certainly in Texas, COVID is uh, basically uncontrolled at this point. Um, just a lot of it's uh, it's both the intensity and the duration of these feelings is really starting to wear on me. And, uh, and so uh, on someone's recommendation, I'm trying to remember who it was, not quite sure, but um, they, they, they recommended this, uh, this podcast episode to me mm-hmm. on the topic of burnout. And I listened to it on my run this morning and I got to tell you, I was really impressed. It was uh, I felt like it was speaking directly to me because um, mm-hmm. they, I don't, I don't know if you know, you know, Red Hat does a pretty good job at taking care of us. You know, they say, you know, mm-hmm. uh, encouraging us to uh, indulge in self care and uh, you know, recharge days, recharge days and all the rest of it. And uh, uh, this podcast kind of took, went several layers uh, deeper on the topic of burnout. Um, I did mm-hmm. not know, for example, that burnout is a huge problem in Sweden which is kind of a surprise. You would think, you know, in a place where they give you, you know, uh, where they mandate six vacation weeks every year and, you know, generous family leave policies and things like this, you'd expect that they would have, uh, they would have the right mechanisms in place to keep people from burning out. And it turns out not at all. It turns out they also get burned out there. And hmm. uh, I don't want to spoil the whole episode, but just to give you a teaser on what made me so interested was uh, they talked a little bit about uh, coping mechanisms which is kind of what i was there for but they also mm-hmm. uh reframed this idea of burnout as uh they made me aware of this framing of burnout as when we talk about burnout 
um, we are, it's often, uh, it is burnout. And the problem with burnout is that it is interfering with your productivity. Yes. And what this episode explores is, well, what if the problem is actually your need for productivity? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, which I think is an important question. And, uh, anyway, it really got me thinking about, uh, uh, it really got me thinking about the pressure that I was putting on myself and the kind of snake eats its tail, you know, this, you know, this dynamic where, oh, I, I, I have to perform. And even the act, even the acts of self-care begin to become part of the burnout, if you know what I mean. Yes. Yes. Uh, and so, you know, uh, for instance, you know, slavishly adhering to a running regimen, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, or um, getting into a biking habit and buying an electric bike so that you can get into a biking habit, things like this, they, they all become part of the pressure that you feel and actually it ends up compounding itself and actually makes the burnout, you know, that much worse. Um, oh, yeah. Anyway, it was, a great, it, was, it was a wonderful piece of radio. Um, and if you are feeling the same way that I am where, and in fact, the title of the episode is Everything is Exhausting. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so if you are feeling this way, I really recommend this, this episode. It was great. It was really good. And, and to be clear, this is an, it's only an, an episode on burnout. It's not an entire podcast about burnout. That's right. Yeah. That, yeah. that would, you'd get really burnt out from that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That would be, that would be too much. That would be too much. Yeah. Uh, yeah no, the, the, the show is on um, Wisconsin public radio and it's called to the best of our knowledge. Um, this mm-hmm. particular episode is called, uh, everything is exhausting. Um, nice. and, uh, yeah, it was a delight. I, I recommend no, I get, Yeah. I got to check that out. And that's, that's a thing too. It's sort of the. Just like you said, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm reading articles about burnout because to fight burnout, and I'm listening to podcasts <laughs> about burnout, and right. and even like like you said about with the the bike and everything, it's like, you know, it could be a really sunny day, and it's like, yeah, I just like I gotta go for a motorcycle ride because it's I got to right, yeah, and and it's hurry up and relax, you know, and and you you can't do that, you know, yeah. you gotta some days it'll be just nice out, and it's like, eh, I'm just gonna read a book today. Well, and even uh, one of the not to, again not to spoil the episode, but one of the things they one of the things they talked about was um, the there are kind of high impact coping mechanisms and kind of and kind of largely ineffectual coping mechanisms. So like mm. vegging out in front of the TV is like a good American go to coping mechanism, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, and like, uh, but at the end of uh, binge watching uh, some Netflix show that you were only vaguely interested in in the first place, uh, turns mm-hmm. out not that nourishing. Right. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At the end of that, you are not refreshed. You are not. Uh, uh, you are not restored. Um, you mm-hmm. just successfully filled several hours. Um, right. So, coping with burnout is something is less about. We often we often talk about it as like unplugging, um, but that's that is actually not what that's not what is needed to counteract burnout. Mm. So yeah. Anyway, it's it was great. It really got me thinking. Yeah, I got I got to check that out. Sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah. So this week, um, have you uh, studied uh, GPT-3 at all? Uh, No, I've enjoyed talking about GPT-3 on the show with you, um, but I'm Mm -hmm. I'm not going out of my way to to, to get deep on GPT-3. Guess what we're doing today? Oh, man, I can't wait. This is good. Yeah. This is good. Well, yeah, I mean, we're not going to, we're we're not going to, like, uh, write code, but uh, we'll let GPT write that for us. But um, we we will be talking about the upsides and the downsides and the dark sides of GPT three. All right, I'm here for it. That sounds great. Yeah. yeah. So um, what uh, 
URL should we send people to so they could uh, check out what what uh, your bike choice was? Oh yeah, uh, so they'll, they'll find a link to the uh, to the really lovely Vika Plus at uh, mm-hmm. dgshow.org. Uh, so that's D okay. as in Dave, G as in Gunner, Show dot o r g. Okay, nice. Okay, yeah. and this week on our cutting room floor, people should check it out because we got um, basically it's it's a highlight reel of what's been going on in our uh, Slack. Uh, uh, setup that we have for our DG show, uh, premium listeners. And, um, yeah, so we got, uh, Shazam for snakes and spiders. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have unnecessary in- inventions for COVID. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, which was great. And then, uh, Tufty grade visualizations for Eric Morrissey. Yeah. Friend of the show, Eric Morrissey. Mm-hmm. Yep. Excellent. Tufty grade should be something we, we mentioned, we say more often. Like how was yes. that? How was that presentation? It was Tufty grade. Yeah, more things tight. need to be tough to be great. <laughs> God knows that's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally yep. agree. Yep. All right. All right. G- GPT-3. GPT-3. Yeah, Lay roll your sleeves up. Yeah. All right. Here we okay. go. So uh, GPT, uh, Generative Pre-Trained Transformer 3, mm-hmm. version 3, of okay. course. Um, so it's an auto-regressive language model that uses deep learning to produce human-like text. And so... It's it's done by this um, company called uh, OpenAI. That it, they were a nonprofit, and then they sort of went for profit, and it was like a capped profit company, um, which is an interesting business model. But um, but they have it has um, 175 billion machine learning parameters, and basically they pumped the internet into it. It was introduced in May of 2020. And it was in beta testing in July of 2020. And, um, and then there are all these articles that came out about it. And then what, what happened was um, there were uh, – uh, Microsoft was a big investor in OpenAI, the, the company – and so, um, and all of the the processing, the, the you know the training of the model, it was all done on I, I presume as Azure is on on Microsoft uh, uh, cloud resources. And in September, Microsoft announced that they had licensed exclusive rights to GPT three, and where others can still use the public API and pay for it um, and to get output, but only Microsoft has control of the source code. And um, and you know only they can see it, and I, and I presume OpenAI has control of the source code as well. But mm. um, but yeah, so that that is out. And so during that beta period, there was a whole bunch of articles that came out, which was pretty interesting. Um, so there is one from the New York Times where um, it, it and where it captured a bunch. It was a roundup of a bunch of different tweets where. Uh, Somebody uh, showed how GPT-3, you just give it this vague description of like, oh, hey, um, uh, do a, a web page that has a red big button on it that says, you know, press me. And it would automatically generate the JSX code for it, wow. which is pretty interesting. You know? That's great. Um, yep. So it's kicking out code that actually works. And then there is um, an, a company that uh, called Other Side AI, where they have a product called Quick Response, where what it does is it will, um, it'll look at your email that you receive, 
and then you give it basically some rough parameters of like yes, no, uh, one point five million dollars, and um, and then you say go, and it'll look at the email, look at what your rough parameters are, and it'll craft an email in your voice that basically fleshes out the entire email for you. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So the, yep. so this thing is so basically they've they've trained this uh they've trained this model mm-hmm. to be able to produce human like text and then it becomes easy for an application developer to come along and um basically provide the mo- or provide a little bit of guidance to the model and then be able to mm-hmm. spit out like plausibly human written Yes. Okay. Yeah, there's there's a um, one of the parameters, and it's funny we kind of talked about this. What, what was the parameter we talked about with uh, Johan's uh, uh, the anger or rage mm-hmm. um, yeah, right. parameter for when yep. uh, self-driving cars yep. uh, road rage? There is actually a parameter. I, I guess it's between uh, a zero and one, where you tell it like how creative you know, quote unquote, you want it to be where it's like, you know, do you want it to generate the same thing every time and it would be closer to zero and it's, it's very like predictive or do you want it to be like a a crazy story that could have like, that could possibly not make sense. And then you dial it all, all the way up to one and, and it can create that. Um, there, and I don't know, do you remember there was like GPT two and there was all the press around that where, it's like we can't release the source code to GPT two because it would be too dangerous. And do, do yeah. you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deep fakes and whatnot. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and it's the world would melt down. And um, they released the source code. The world didn't end um, so far. And um, but they were like, for, but this was back when they were more of an open source, I guess, kind of, you know, organization. Where now the source code is all held back. Like I said, it's like only. OpenAI and Microsoft can see the code, and the only way you could access it is like writing your applications that will basically talk to you know Microsoft, um, you know, uh, or OpenAI, which is running on Microsoft Azure, I presume. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some of the demos, and and um, there was another one where there was a guy that, uh, and and I I shared this in the Slack a while ago about. Um, the, the title of this blog post was OpenAI's GPT-3 may be the biggest thing since Bitcoin. And and it's like I, I, I put the link in there and I, I challenged everybody to read it. And, there, and and like you look at it in the show notes and like as you read it, it's like, oh, yeah, this is an interesting article. It makes some good points and everything. And then you get to the very end of the article and it says that, yeah, here's the big reveal. Um, I didn't write this article i basically had gpt3 write the article for me and i basically gave it the title of the article he gave it his bio and um and a couple like parameters or not parameters but just basic like bullet points that he wants it to talk about amazing it's amazing yeah 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 and then there was there was another one that and this guy didn't you know he didn't even tell anybody about this. There's a college kid. Um, he wanted to have access to the GPT three, but didn't have access. But he knew somebody that had access, so he got access. And he started he generated his own blog site, and um, it, and so he started uh, making these blog posts, and then um, 
he started posting on Hacker News and his articles made it to number one on Hacker News. <laughs> Despite or maybe because they had been written by this AI. Yeah. Well, no, no. It's like he didn't tell anybody that it was written by AI. Right. He, he was like, you know how like um, it, it's like there's he had it write a blog post about productivity. And you can imagine it's like GPT-3 has this entire corpus of work of productivity, probably parsing the text of our podcast of, of uh, you know, you know, coming up with tips and tricks and, and things like that. And it's like, oh, well, people started doing that. Uh, or people started subscribing to this guy's blog, uh, to the, you know, that was generated. And like by the third time in the third post that he made, um, was, uh, the blog post is what would I do with GPT three if I had no ethics? <laughs> and then he had GPT three create that article. And which again, is like amazing. And then he finally did the, a, a very subtle reveal, but it like again, like on Hacker News, it made it the whole way to number one. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. I, um, I imagine we're going to get here, but uh, there's some really interesting. Uh, well, there's like kind of there's a sci-fi angle you could put on this. There's kind of an ethical angle you can put on this. Um, man, it's it. This is this is this makes the world complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, in in so many different ways. Um, so there is there is an MIT um, technology review editorial, and uh, it was entitled GPT three Bloviator OpenAI's language generator has no idea what it's talking about, and it was, you know, I don't know, it was it was pretty heavy handed and mm-hmm. uh, you know very anti GPT three, which is fine. It's everybody's entitled to an opinion. I for one welcome our our new uh, AI overlords, but. Um, like uh, an interesting quote from this article is that if if you think about it, it's basically like you said, it's an it's a language generator that you give it a prompt and it'll just riff on something based upon what it has learned. And what this quote from the article it says, like an improv actor, when it doesn't know something, GPT three will just fake it. You wouldn't trust an improv. Im, you wouldn't trust an improv actor to, playing a doctor to give you medical advice. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't read his argument, so maybe it's more. It's it's more subtle or nuanced than this. But um, I feel like he's moving the goalposts a little bit, <laughs> like um, saying that uh, saying that this language generator is not helpful unless it can actually give sound medical advice. Is like what I that was. A, that's a bit of a non sequitur, right? Yeah, and maybe he's just trying to counteract the, uh, like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing in the world, and all the hype that was generated right. around it, right. and and he was trying to provide a, a a reality check, and maybe he he was like overcorrecting, but you know I agree, you know it's like you like, you know even for that email generator that we talked about earlier, it's like I would still proofread the email before I sent it, sure, and you know, but. Even if you didn't, though, imagine like how much like from a spam standpoint of like I get an AI generated spam sent to me, and then my AI responds to it, and and it has this entire conversation back and forth, and they set up a meeting and and just like, right? Where does it end? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you, and, you, and also you got me thinking about um, 
you know, for a long time, like text generation uh, was pretty simple and, and it seems like there's a, and I'm not an, I'm not an AI expert or anything, so I'm sure there's a word for this, but there's like a horizon where uh, that, that GPT-3 seems to have passed, which is there is a, there, we've been generating fake language all the time, right? Like I use, you know, the lorem ipsum generator to go mm-hmm. generate nonsense Latin text when I want to fill in, you know, uh, something on a page layout. Um, but, uh, or like Eliza, right? The, uh, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the, the, the robot psychologists that, uh, mm-hmm. uh, that we have all played with in computer science class. Um, but none of those were generative in the sense that like they couldn't put out anything that wasn't already put into them. Um, right. and the responses were relatively rote and it, what it seems like GPT-3 is able to do is actually s- thoughtlessly granted, but, uh, thoughtlessly kind of synthesize a bunch of information make some inferences and then create new conclusions from them or, or create new text from them. Um, right. and that, and that feels qualitatively different than what, than what we've seen before. Yes. And that's that, I think that is the, um, the new conclusions could be a function of that, that variable that I talked about. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, how novel do you want those conclusions to be, which could be like totally like wrong or crazy, yeah. or do you want them to be like repetitive and you set it to zero? But, um, yeah, and it's funny, like, with, I think it was with the, um, um, I forget if, there was another one where uh, a GPT-3 bot spent a week replying on Reddit, talking about, and, and it started replying, and and before it long, it started just talking about the Illuminati, and... <laughs> And and sure. so what would happen is like, and I forget if it was in this Reddit article or if it was in the one that they were talking about Hacker News, but um, they were they were talking about um, there were humans that were like saying, yeah, this isn't real. This must be written by an AI. And it totally it either got downvoted or just totally overlooked by all the responses people were getting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. like, imagine, like, all the tweets and, um, you know, of, like, all these, like, you know, fake people tweeting and all that, that it's, like, the the same voices in the room that are trying to challenge what's being said gets overshouted by other people amplifying what the robot is trying to say. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And one other fun ominous thing is that um, from the Reddit article, Mm -hmm. uh, one user pointed out that the bot probably would not fare so well on a forum used by adults. And in response, the bot simply said, you're probably right. (laughs) It's great. Not cool, man. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I mean, this whole... This whole thing is, is fascinating. I mean, you think about this, uh, especially especially now that we're in election season and yeah. uh, kind of the nature of truth and the provenance of information become so important, right? And yeah. are like naive tools for kind of curating useful information are not up to the task of dealing with something like GPT-3. Like GPT-3 makes it relatively cheap for somebody to... Well, and here's the thing. It's not about uh, if your goal is not to promulgate some falsehood, but if your goal is mm-hmm. just to like flood the zone with nonsense so that a real conversation can't occur, 
which is right. often the goal of a disinformation campaign, um, mm-hmm. then GPT-3 makes it extremely efficient to do something like that, right? Because all you need to do is unleash, you know, 20 plausible sounding robots in a Reddit thread to just completely send it in a different direction, right? Yeah. Or, and, and think of the, uh, it's still sinister, but less sinister way of like, just people like from a journalism standpoint of, um, let's say like you're searching for electric bikes, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're looking at all the bike reviews and you could have the, the fine people at, um, at Blix, um, you know, pay an army of robots to generate a bunch of positive reviews yeah. for this bike. It, they can create thousands, right? Yeah. And think, and the same thing with um, like reviews on Amazon that could be written instead of by a mechanical Turk. Um, it's, you know, very, very plausible. Yeah. And, and, and it's done to generate money and click throughs of like, um, it's like I could pay them and then I can get the referral bonuses and, and all that stuff. And, and then it gets to the point of like, the, you know what? What's then is the the value of like you said the the provenance, but the what about like the individual voice or the voice of an individual blogger being indistinguishable from a bot? And then does that mean that you only go to you know mainstream news sources to find out whatever's true? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It really interferes with like whatever systems of trust that you've put in place right um Mm -hmm. we've been and it feels like we've been kind of skating by in on the internet the internet has allowed us thus far to kind of like skate by on things like um trust uh provenance um all those like information hygiene things and we've replaced these uh authority with like trust networks right Mm -hmm. um where uh, yeah, I mean, you may take an expert's point of view, but if you've got 20 people all saying the same thing, then it's basically true, right? Um, yeah. It's just like the way the human brain works. Um, and there's no way to know whether those 20 people are uh, running on GPT-3 models or whether they're, you know, uh, actual people. Um, and I can kind of, if I, if I take, if I go full sci-fi on this, I mean, it seems like unless there's some countermeasure or unless there's like some compensating mechanism. Uh, if I care about something being true or not, I'm going to kind of collapse into, well, it's kind of a systems collapse, right? You're going to, you're going to only listen to or only work with kind of people who you have verified, whatever that means. And, Mm -hmm. and who you trust, like you're going to break up into small tribes to kind of defend yourself against this, you know, onslaught of GPT, GPT three powered, bots who are trying to persuade you in a, or confuse you right mm-hmm. yeah right it's like well that's where you get back into your filter bubble yeah right that's and right. and you may listen to the news sources that that you trust which will may have their own slant um but the ability to have that lone voice to like provide that reality check is no longer there because you you could say ah that's fake that's yeah. not right yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so, is this actually meaningfully different than what we have on our hands right now? <laughs> I mean, it's, we're doing, no, we're doing and, it. It's kind of expensive yeah. to hire humans to do this, but um, uh, is it, it? It's difficult to imagine it being worse. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it can always be worse. Um, yeah. So, the so the 
thing here is that I, I think the thing that you brought out was the the cost of, of doing these things, right? So, right. like, you know, the, the, the chain mail that, you know, chain letters we used to get in the mail, um, you know, being replaced by spam. And, you know, the, the cost of sending spam is, like, negligible. Mm-hmm. And so now it's like you may have these disinformation campaigns in – you know, name your favorite country for, you know, trying to affect the election, um, that still has a human cost to it, which could be inexpensive, but it's it's also finite. However, if you could have the same number of people generating just simple prompts of, uh, you know, to, to write articles, and mm-hmm. you just keep regenerating those articles with those same prompts, mm-hmm. and you like you said, you're flooding the zone, it's it's just going to be on like orders of magnitude much larger scale yeah to the point where it's you know just like remember when spam used to be a big problem uh and but now we have the filters and you know spam isn't as big of a problem for the end user now i i think we're going to hit that very similar thing where you know social media is become is going to become worth less and less and you know the like you know, who do you trust in terms of reviews of anything um, and, until there is some sort of way to figure out how, um, you know, how to, how to get control over it. And, you know, and maybe, maybe do you think that the open AI people are right by, you know, keeping the source code closed, having it be API only, and maybe that, that could provide some governance of like, oh, well, I could shut off the people that are abusing the system. Um, but what, what do you think about that? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it becomes uh, a more difficult proposition. So you say it's closed source. And, of course, you and I, our knee-jerk reaction is like, whoa, wait a minute. Why is it closed source? Like, what's what's taken there? But um, when we're talking about, um, I forget how big the corpus, how big you said the corpus was. It's like, uh, I don't know, they're moving up like 17 billion, billion parameters. parameters. Yeah, right. That's right. Or less than 10%. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Um, 175 billion. Okay, so if there's 175 billion learning parameters, um, how useful is that source code to me? Um, does that give me a right. meaningful amount of control over, especially when it's tied to this, like, you know, Hubangus corpus, I'm sure, that uh, that it's pulling from, right? Um, and uh, so, like, the, the access to the source code in principle is a good thing, but as a practical matter, like, wh- how would that how would that actually change things, Right. Um, right. And like, is it going to make me more free to have access to that source code? I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, maybe at the margins, but it's, uh, it would require a ton of investment of time and attention to actually make that access to source code meaningful. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so it's not like it being open source or closed source makes it more or less dangerous or more or less useful. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so I can, I can understand why they, just to, just said okay it's all going to be closed and we're just going to provide a public api to it um the uh i don't know but what i'm back on the i'm back on this issue of trust right um so mm-hmm. let's assume that this this you know that uh gpt you know continues to evolve and there'll be a five and a four and a five and a six mm-hmm. and, and so on and it'll be you know we'll figure out uh how to tweak it and it'll be basically if you want it can be indistinguishable from a human um, that's going to, uh, going back to this issue of trust relationships, you got me thinking that I think 
the compensating mechanism for us is going to be uh, going back to relying on institutions that we trust to provide right. information, right? Um, uh, and so, you know, going to, if you trust the New York Times or you go to the Washington Post, I mean, finding institutions who have, uh, you know, kind of well-understood ethics or, well, or a reputation for having found, you know, uh, for good opinion pieces, a good peer review process, um, good journalistic practices, those are going to be, naturally, those will be even higher, held in higher esteem, you would hope, um, mm -hmm. than, uh, uh, than something else. Now, you got me thinking about the consequences of this for Wikipedia. Yes. Because on one hand, this could be the best thing that ever happened to Wikipedia. Go on. Uh, go take Unleash GPT-3 on uh, GPT-3. It's got access to all the facts on the internet, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, generating kind of high quality prose on specific topics. It seems like something that this thing would be extraordinarily good at. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, would require uh, that, that moves the problem to kind of the human editors, right? And mm -hmm. uh, being able to verify the information, being able to, you know, being able to provide citations and, and so on. Um, I don't know, man, this is, a, it's, uh, it's, uh, it is, it feels a little bit, this uh, GPT-3, unlike a lot of other technologies that we talked about in this show, um, really feels kind of Promethean, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, yep. uh, like it's, it's fire and we don't completely understand the long-term effects of it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, well, well, going back a little bit about the institutions you trust, yeah, that that triggers me with um, like the cathedral and the bazaar. So now, now we go back to trusting the cathedrals. Yes, uh, yes, for certain, for yes, for for certain purposes, right? Um, mm -hmm. uh, trusting a cathedral. I mean, in the sense that the bazaar has always been good at the bazaar is useful because it generates new ideas, right? Um, mm -hmm. but if that is taking for granted that GPT-3 can usefully automate the process of generating new ideas or new approaches or new frames for a conversation, um, then, uh, yeah, then it, then it does require the intervention of some kind of a cathedral, right? <laughs> in, in order to make that useful or practical or trustworthy, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Well, also too, I, like I could also imagine, like, what about, I don't know, like the, in the places where speech is restricted, mm -hmm. could this be a tool used to flood the zone in terms of putting so much noise out there that it allows truthful signals to get through that can't be censored? Uh, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Um, well, it's a signal noise problem, right? Yeah. And so you, you get the you get the same uh, you get the same effect. I, hmm. Yeah. Well, and I can imagine you can also take GPT three and apply it. I'm not smart enough on this, on this technology, but I I presume there's a symmetry there too, where you can probably use the same technology behind GPT three to go identify offensive speech, right? Yes. Yes, and I'm sure that's being used now too in terms of like pattern matching and yeah. keyword searching and stuff like that. Yep. That's right. Hmm. Uh, hmm, hmm. 
it's also got me thinking, okay, so take it, take it out of the kind of uh, tinfoil hat uh, kind of radio. The other thought that this brings into my mind is, um, and, and this has been a fun parlor game for years, is, okay, uh, a robot writes a beautiful piece of prose. Mm-hmm. Um, does that affect the aesthetic judgment we have about that prose? Right. If yeah. GPT three well, this, this... if if GPT three wrote a super readable book with a great twist ending, like, do I care that it wrote to it, that a robot wrote it? Correct. Yeah, and that's uh, to me. We've talked about this before too. Whether it's a a monkey taking a picture, um, and is that art? Uh, yeah. And is it copyrightable? And yeah. what about um, AI generated music? And, you know, like, like we've, we've heard about, you know, a little while ago, a couple episodes ago about, um, oh, this, this sounds a lot like Sinatra and, or it sounds like Elvis and, and does that make it better or worse? Yeah. You know, and, or does it like sort of tune you out of like, like, like nothing's good anymore? Right. Well, no, I mean, what happens is like, you know, we're always going to find a way to make something special, right? Um, or find yeah. ways of, of valuing some piece of uniqueness. I'm thinking about, do you remember the movie Gattaca? Mm-hmm. Yep. So there's a scene in Gattaca where uh, all of the assembled privileged folks are watching a piano recital and uh, it's the piano is being played beautifully, but what they're valuing in it is the fact that the uh, piano player in this world of genetically perfect people, uh, the piano player has six fingers. Mm, okay and it becomes the and it becomes the imperfection that they that they're appreciating right just the fact that oh this genetically imperfect person can create this beautiful music that's what they that's what they appreciate about it um and i wonder if we if gpt3 or a subsequent technology makes it easy to produce uh clear prose um or beautiful prose or what have you it becomes that much more important that uh that you that we we begin to value. Oh, actually, a human wrote this, right? Mm-hmm. Or oh no, this guy's been studying this for twenty years, and he's like he had to write all these words by hand. He should, you know, no, he didn't have any robots to help him, um, and that becomes something that we value. Um, you, yeah, you, it's it's the artisan hamburger versus the flippy yeah. bot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, but in the meantime, there are plenty of people that are. Like heck, I, I, it seems like a lot of the stuff on TV was written by GPT two. Um, was... <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, yeah. But well, oh, exactly. Oh, and so my mind goes back to that. My mind goes back to that uh, book um, that uh, that we both read, Deep Deep Work, right? Yes. Um, where he warns everyone that you know automation is not just coming for for blue collar jobs. Automation is mm-hmm. coming for white collar jobs as well. This is a great example, right? Um, yep. if I can, uh, if I can write an employee handbook with, uh, um, uh, with some, uh, legal, uh, with some legal text and just a few bullet points, um, mm-hmm. what is the, what is the value of that person in HR maintaining the, uh, maintaining the handbook? Right. And so it's now we're in a race against automation against GPT three and it's, and it's successors, um, to, uh, find ways of distinguishing ourselves or being, having more explicitly creative tasks um, mm-hmm. that cannot be duplicated by a robot. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. The one, one other quick reality check that um, in, in my, as I was reading up on GPT three mm-hmm. is that, and I'm, I'm I know I'm going to get these, the exact numbers wrong, but like GPT two could generate, 
I think like two sentences worth of meaningful text before things started to fall apart. Mm -hmm. Whereas with GPT three, it's like six paragraphs or something like that. It's, it's like a lot more text that could generate, but it's still not going to write an entire novel. You know, it, it doesn't have that continuity where things are just sort of, um, things just, you know, it can't, it can't hold it together for, uh, a lot of text so it's like I, I still think we have some time left but as far as like blog posts and mm -hmm. you know reddit comments and stuff like that it's like it's here now yeah yeah fascinating totally fascinating hmm. I don't know man. what do you say I'm kind of burned out yeah I, I need oh I actually didn't finish watching um uh the third day yet so i, I gotta finish watching that and be, be all disturbed so <laughs> okay you know I'll just, I'll just conclude this by saying i think the end of this is is a butler and jihad I think, <laughs> I think that's how this i think that's how this ends yeah 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 so i'm gonna yep. go to mentat school i'm signing up right now yeah no before long we'll gpt uh three doing the podcast here with us and, and we'll be retired and it'll all just be uh text to speech and um yeah we could retire yeah we can, have, we, can have, we can have sinatra do your part mm -hmm. yep yep and then have uh uh gpt3 could listen to it and generate more <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's great all right. So, well, I guess to as people digest all this, they, they probably need some unnecessary inventions that are like COVID ready. Uh, so, you know, where where should we send them? Oh, they need to go to uh, dgshow.org. Uh, okay. Uh, that's uh, D as in Dave, G as in Gunner, show.org. Excellent. Okay. All right. Now I'm going to go reflect. I I am I am too. On our right. on our on our humanity. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Thanks, Gunnar. See everybody. Thanks, everyone.